Daniel Britt com. You think you you really think you'll get a serious interview out of all this? Man. I know the last words. <laughs> <laughs> and it just so happened that Mike was in today, and, and and I didn't even know he was a part of the Weatherford. I I'm seriously I did homework, but I didn't realize you were a part of. Well, it. I never recorded with him. Okay. So it's not real. So it's not documented. Long. Exactly. It's not documented. Didn't, Until didn't, now. He didn't stay around long enough <laughs> to make it. <laughs> <laughs> Went on to bigger and better things, if you know what I mean. Yeah. God, you, you want to leave? Yeah. Yeah. Now. yeah, that's true. <laughs> One time Bill said to me, he said, you know, I remember the time that I was going to join you. And he said, I wonder what would have happened if I had. And I said, Bill. God does not make any mistakes. That's exactly right. Okay, let's start this way. Legendary may be somewhat overused, but quite accurate when you look at the accomplishments and accolades of our guest today. And these people are here, part of the Weatherford history, my friends and yours, Lily Fern and Steve Weatherford, and Mike Allen, who's also going to contribute some of the uh, to some of the history. We're going to document Mike's history because as I hear it Mike's uh Mike's history with the Weatherfords weren't well documented. No, that, <laughs> during and, his and time. We've never been letting him say anything about us if he says what we told him. To. That's, that's right. We had right. pictures to and I'm glad to do it. <laughs> Lily Fern, I I grew up with gospel music but I'm I'm young, so from the 80s on, I listened to some some records. But when Bill Gaither started the Homecoming series early on, I really was introduced to a lot a lot of groups. And I know your group, while you've traveled through the southeast, you were based more out of the west for most of the time. We'll talk about that. But I've really enjoyed your harmony. And when Bill put Henry Slaughter in there and Glenn Payne and... What's that? What's that song that you do? And it's got these intricate. Our precious friend. Is that's, it, that's it. That's it. Henry Slaughter wrote it. Yeah, I want to talk about that. But first, let's start at the beginning. Let's go way back to 1944, and that's when that's when the Weatherfords began, right? Yes, sir. That's were, right. Now, were you a part of the group in 44? Earl and I were just going together, but shortly after we started going together, before we even married, he needed he had a tenor singer, and the tenor singer kind of fluked out. So he said, let's see what we can do with you. And mm-hmm. I sang, sang with him. And then when another tenor singer would come along, he'd say, well, we got a male tenor now, so you're out. <laughs> and I'd go out and come back in. In the meantime, we had married. And it came to a time, I mean, this happened like eight or ten times. <laughs> and I said, when are you going to wake up and find out that I'm married to you? I ain't going anywhere. <laughs> And you, you probably, probably get you pretty cheap too, couldn't he? Because since you were married, I was very cheap. <laughs> As a matter of fact, it's never been changed. <laughs> they would call the radio the, the, back on the radio. They would, the, Dad would say that the, the 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 listeners would call in and say, "You need to get that other guy back in there. He sounds better." As a matter of fact, I guess we shouldn't mention any names, should should we? Especially yeah. since the, the one I was going to talk about is dead and gone. But he was singing with us for a while. And uh, he sang with everybody in the South, and he was with us for a while. And he was a pretty good tenor, but he just hmm. just didn't match up to what he should have. And uh, and while he was in there, while he was singing, Earl had phone calls and said, please get rid of that lady that's singing and get that male tenor back. <laughs> they were talking about getting me back in there and getting rid of that female. I guess that means she had a face for radio. Yeah. Oh, right. Kaboom. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, you've got Brian Free, and people think, you know, he's yeah. he's the woman singer of the group. Yeah. And, uh, we always get him about that. Uh, this is sort of the, uh, the other way around. Uh, California and Ohio, which came first for the Weatherfords? And, oh, uh, very differently. California, we started in California. Uh, Earl had moved to California to work in the shipyards mm-hmm. during the war. And um, then he met a gentleman called Bob Jones, Sr., and uh, he had a group called the Gospel Harmony Boys, and that was out on the West Coast. And he started singing tenor for Bob Jones, and it was while he was singing tenor for Bob that I met him. This is not the university? No, no. No, Bob Jones just was recently inducted into the Southern Gospel Gospel Music Hall of Fame. That's coming up in October. Coming up, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's still alive. He's 90. And Bobby Bobby Joe Jones is here at the present convention Mm -hmm. uh, with uh, Homeland. He's started out a new thing with Homeland. He was in ceramic pianos. And he was ringed there in our wedding. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. So these were the guys who were with the original. Thank. With the original Weatherfords? Yeah. Thank the original Weatherfords were uh, Earl Weatherford. Um, oh, boy. The bass singer was um, Bob Gillis. The lead singer was Harold Terman. And Earl sang tenor and a, a young man by the name of Cecil Burleson hmm. sang baritone. And that was in, in California in oh, 1944. California. They were on the radio a lot yeah. out there. K- <clears throat> KFOX and KGER. Started on KGER, then we went to KFOX, and then he went up to um, Hollywood and got on the the, um, the news station that came in at that time, which was very popular and big, mm-hmm. uh, from Catalina. And, what a memory, uh, Lily. I can't remember. I can't remember the call letters, but I thought I, KBIG. It was KB. KBIG. There you go. What can I say? So he was on three radio. Uh, we were on three radio stations every day, seven days a week. And I've heard, you know, heard about that, and that's kind of. It's hard to imagine in this day and age, but like the Statesman had their radio show, and I heard about you know WOWO and and uh, Fort and then Wayne. we were later on on WOWO when we moved to the Midwest. Right. What was that like? I mean. Was that a necessary part of, of oh, a Oh, very group? definitely. We had no television back then. Yeah. And that was the way you got the word out to people that where you were going, you're announcing your personal appearances. And and back then, you just announced on that you were going to be in a little church, you know, at such and such and such and such and such time, and you'd have a full house every hmm. night, seven days a week, if you wanted to work that much. It's not that way anymore. <laughs> yeah. And radio was all live. Radio, radio was all live. Once in a while, we did some canned stuff, mm-hmm. but most of it was all live, and uh, we did that purposely because we had concerts to announce that maybe we'd booked that morning, and we had it. We wanted sure. to, you know, and and you could get a crowd that fast. Mm-hmm. Radio was the the thing back then. Did you ever have any um, awkward moments being live where you couldn't? You had you had to kind of keep going and. Uh, <laughs> I don't think you should have asked that question. We're about to have one now. <laughs> I want to. I want to tell you when, when 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 I wasn't singing in the group and they had an all male group. One of those periods, and you may have to edit this out. <laughs> but um, Earl was announcing. He's got a year to our, do that. Our personal appearances and so forth, and all the group's personal appearances. And while they, he was talking on the microphone live, all the rest of the guys were undressing him. They got him cleared out of his shorts. 
<laughs> and they took his clothes out and threw them out in the hall, and he had to finish the radio program in his shorts. <laughs> and I could tell you some other stories, but you really, they would be X-rated. Yeah. It actually happened. I mean, uh, accidentally. Yeah, yeah. The, the real funny ones came later during television when they were doing live television. Yeah. They were, that, that, not only That's great. And, and we had, we had a, one radio program that started at 7 o'clock every morning, and we had to drive about 45 minutes on the Los Angeles freeways, which is, had just opened up then, which was mm-hmm. less, a mad, much as a madhouse as it is now, I think. And so I'm always, I'm a morning, I'm not a morning person. I like to sleep. Mm-hmm. And one time we were up singing in the middle of a program and in the middle of a song, I fell asleep and woke myself up. But I know it was during the song because I we were still singing it when I woke up. I don't know how long I was asleep. That's a long song. <laughs> Not on my knees. But you got to remember, I was pretty young, too, yeah, so I was yeah. really a baby. Yeah. <laughs> well, the radio thing, it still happens. That tradition carries on today. Just with some of the groups who've been here, you know, we were talking about something serious, and they're over there picking at each other and, like, trying to make them crack up, and it's just, it well, continues. Even, even that in television when we were with Rex Humbert in, in yeah. Akron, Ohio. Yeah. I mean, I was singing a solo one day, and, and they were taping these shows. And I was singing, I'm as poor as a beggar, but rich as a king. Uh-huh. And the, everybody was standing out in my tossing pennies and dimes and nickels <laughs> at my feet. And when I got through, I just went out and clicked them all up. I had almost $5. <laughs> but nobody behind, nobody uh, in the audience oh, no. saw that. The television audience didn't yeah. know that at all. <laughs> <laughs> Well, at what point did you move from the West Coast to the Midwest? To uh, was it Ohio? Uh, we moved to uh, from Long Beach, California. Actually, we lived in that area anyway. Uh, in 1949, we left California and we first settled in Springfield, Illinois, thinking we would get on a radio station there, and it just wasn't coming through like it was. And but Earl always had in his mind W O W O, and so we finally. We we just were there for just a couple of months, and we went on to Fort Wayne, Indiana, did a live interview, and um, the, the the gentleman that was the manager of the station was, believe it or not, a Catholic Jew, <laughs> and every other word out of his mouth was obscene. Yeah, and he said, well, "I'm not interested in anything religious, but let me see what you can do." Hmm. And we sang. First, he wanted to hear. It. He didn't want anything with religion, so we sang. There's a little pine log cabin. <laughs> Songs like that, you know. Yeah. And it, it hit his ear. But what really happened, he didn't know. But the Holy Spirit hit his heart. Mm-hmm. And um, so we we sang those. And he said, blankety blank, what else you got? So we sang Amazing Grace. Mm-hmm. And tears rolled down his cheeks. And he said, come back here. We'll sign a contract. Wow. Oh, my. That's incredible. So you know that that was... The Holy Spirit moving, and we—it we, was a phenomenal time for the Weatherfords. We just absolutely, the it was brand new. This type of music was brand new in Indiana and Ohio, and it was um, there again. We we sang for peanut picking contests, for hay baling contests, mm-hmm. for, and I mean they came out by by in the droves because television hadn't hit yet, mm-hmm. and we were there until 1953. And they went all can music, and so that left out the live shows, and mm-hmm. that's when we moved to Akron, Ohio, to work. We went over to work with Rex one weekend, and he asked us to come over and be on the staff. And we went there. We were from there from 1953 to 1963. Wow. 
back up real quick, go back to California. I wanted to ask you this question about that because because today it's called Southern Gospel Music and it's it's really big in in the South mm-hmm. and especially the Southeast. In that day, how was gospel music received in California, Long Beach, that area, versus what was going on in Atlanta? In the, well, it was in the different, um, and it's kind of hard for me to compare the difference because I wasn't in singing singing in the South at that time. Mm-hmm. But it was big in California and in the in the in the Western states. Mm-hmm. It was new. Sure, it was new, but we were never known as Southern gospel. What was it called? We were just gospel singers. Yeah. I never heard the word Southern Gospel till oh, till we moved to probably Akron, Ohio. Mm-hmm. And then I began to hear the word Southern Gospel come through, you know. But we, and, there, and don't get me wrong, there's nothing, I like Southern Gospel, mm-hmm. but we never were Southern Gospel. Mm-hmm. We were just gospel singers. I mean, we mm-hmm. have a style, I think we have a style all of our own. Sure, sure. And um, you really can't, I don't think you can really consider us Southern Gospel. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But not, yet, not in the traditional no, sense no, that right, most no. people think right. of Southern Gospel. Right. Much better. But we weren't. Yeah. We, we never well, had, we hadn't even heard of. There was church music and gospel music, and mm-hmm. that's what was what's made the difference back in those times. How did Rex Hambard find you? We went there. He invited us to come sing for him for a weekend, and um, uh, and we had met Rex years before on. Because they were traveling all over mm-hmm. California. Well, they traveled everywhere, but when they were on the West Coast, we went to hear them a few times and had met them, but not really. We were personally acquainted. But then when we heard we were in Fort Wayne, he asked us to, he remembered the name and he asked us to come to sing for him. And it was just a, it was just a, like a clinched thing. It seemed mm-hmm. like it was just supposed to be that way. And it, it was a great, great 10 years that we were there. How many children do you have? I have a, a daughter two years older than Steve and mm-hmm. this, and Steve, just two. And, and Steve's with us. At what point did you come up onto the platform? And, and did your daughter ever join you on stage? Uh, just when she was small. Yeah. She would come up and sing. Well, I, I, I was uh, adopted into the Weatherfords while they were at, in Akron. So mm-hmm. uh, I think they had me on stage at five months. In 1961, so mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> I guess yeah. well, both of my both of our children are adopted. Mm-hmm. Right, I really started my professional career uh, as far as being in the group full time. What I call getting a check for singing. <laughs> that was uh, I, I celebrate my 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 singing birthday on Fourth uh, of July, 1976. Okay, it was the first time I actually took the stage as a full fledged member of the group. Prior to that, I roadied for the group for a number of years and. And uh, I've just always been on the bus since since '61. I've been traveling around with the group. But were you in Ohio in '76? Where, where were you then? No, we were we were based back in Oklahoma at that point. No, we okay. left Ohio, Akron in 1963. '63. Okay, mm-hmm. went back to California and then back. We've been in Oklahoma mm-hmm. now for about the past 30 years. 35 years. And uh, it's Oklahoma is not known for its. It's being the uh, dead level center of gospel music, but for us, <laughs> since we work the East Coast as well as the West yeah. throughout the year, it's very conveniently it's good location. Two hour, two two twenty four hours from anywhere in the United States. Wow, wow, it's a nice place to live. Would it be a fair uh, statement, an accurate statement, to say that the Cathedral Quartet, in a way, was a spinoff of the Weatherfords? Oh, definitely. They would tell you that. George and Glenn would tell you that if they were here today. Yeah. Well, so were the Imperials. 
Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Armin is here. He'd tell you that. Yeah. Yeah. They, 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 uh, Jay Kess said he wanted, a, you know, a, a Weatherford's with a, a statesman delivery with the Weatherford sound. And, <laughs> and so that's pretty much what he got. <laughs> he hired our bass singer and our piano player. And a, huh. and a ranger. So two third, two, right. two fifths of the original Imperials were Weatherford. Weatherford people. And, and if you look at the roster of the, of the cathedrals down through the years, uh, I, I have to get the list out, but most of them at one time had worked for the Weatherfords. Really? Roy Trimble, Haskell Cooley, Glenn and George, yeah. um, Danny, uh, Danny Coker, Danny Coker, hmm. Jim, Bobby, Jim, Clark. Bobby Clark. Um, Even the bus driver, Bud, Bud Seeker. Bud Seeker came from the Weatherfords <laughs> and he was with them until the end. Eight, eight or nine, I think, out of the 12, 15 or so that they had were at one time come through the Weatherford camp. We had a real good close relationship with the cathedrals all through mm-hmm. the years. Yeah. I mean, Glenn a lot of people remember. Like my brothers. Yeah. They remember the cathedrals as, you know, the group that went out on top. But I can still remember. I mean, talk, talk to Glenn all these years. He, you know, just was real encouragement to a lot of people. But I remember back in uh, 19, it was probably about 1974, I was sitting in the office with Dad. And, and Glenn had called, and they had rolled their bus down a cliff, and it was split in two, and they couldn't. Get it fixed, and things were tough, and they were about to go under. And uh-huh. they asked Dad if he knew any singers that they were looking for singers, and they said, "Well, I'll help you look." But my dad asked Glenn what he's going to do. He said, "Well, we're trying out these kids. This Roger kid from Arkansas. He's as green as he can be. I don't know what being." <laughs> they never looked back after that. It was really fun to watch that happen. Glad, glad to have gotten to see that go down like it did. Who was first to come through the Weatherford? School of training was it Glenn or George? Glenn joined us first, and actually, I don't want to, want you to get the idea or anybody in the listening audience to get the idea that they learned to sing from the Weatherfords because <laughs> they were both talented men, very talented men. But they they learned a different technique with the Weatherfords, and they mm-hmm. would tell you that. But Glenn came with us first, and and we had both Glenn and George, but. Um, we never had them at the same time in the same group. Mm-hmm. But uh, oh, I'm sorry. George was first because George joined us in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And then when we moved to Fort Wayne, he left, and that was when he came to us when Armin was drafted. Mm-hmm. And then he was with us until we moved to, to Akron, Ohio, stayed with us for a little while. Mm-hmm. And then he left, and about that time, Armin got out of the service and rejoined the group, and that was when we got Lynn Payne. And Henry Slaughter. I was wrong in my information. I'm sorry. That's okay. And so Henry uh, joined at what time? Henry came in after, right after Glenn. Right after Glenn came in. You're about 58, 59? I, yeah, I had, well, yeah, probably so, because we were there. That group sang together for eight years. Mm-hmm. Uh, Armin, Morales, Glenn Payne, Earl and I, and Henry Slaughter playing the piano. And so, and we moved to Akron in 53, so it was about, it was actually, that would make it about 55, wouldn't it, that they were together with us? 1855 or 1955. (laughs) (laughs) Would you, uh, did you recognize what you had in Henry Slaughter when you hired him? Yes, we knew we, we had a good piano player, but there's one thing that we all did not recognize, and I've, and we've all talked, at different times, even when Glenn, when Glenn was still alive, and and when we were together, Glenn and 
Armin and Henry or even separately, mm-hmm. we all said we didn't realize what we had then. Mm-hmm. But we had a we had a different sound. It was we were everybody says that we were ten or fifteen years ahead of our time, mm-hmm. and we didn't realize uh, what a statement we were making at that time. But apparently, it was a good one. So, did he do a, a lot of songwriting for the group? Yes. We did a lot of Henry songs. Mm-hmm. I don't think he wrote that many while he was. Well, he wrote some while he was with us, but he brought with he brought songs to us. He brought he brought "What a Precious Friend" with him when we sang it first time. I think they can't hurt to have kind of a built-in songwriter. I mean, Greater Vision with Rodney and Griffin. And he was a great and, arranger. <laughs> yeah, Henry yeah. had had a memory that he he knew what your voice range was, and and he he would sit down and write out your part, and that and then we'd rehearse it. And if you, you know, you get together, rehearse with the group, and they say you're on my part, and you'd say, uh-uh, it's right here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, you mentioned greater vision, and since you're talking about heritage and lineage, they're somewhat uh, the the grandkids of the Weatherfords. Sure. If you consider greater vision, Legacy Five, Mark Trammell Trio, Signature Sound, as, as offshoots of the cathedrals, that would be somewhat down our family tree. So mm-hmm. we're proud of all of those guys too. Not too many people would think of that, but we we yeah. kind of we're proud yeah. of them when we yeah. see them up there doing their thing. We're like, well, and Lily had mentioned uh, about uh, the people that had been with them, maybe not learning how to sing from the Weatherfords. But I can tell you from my standpoint that I'm proud to say that Earl Weatherford did spend time helping me to learn how to sing different tones. And that, and, and it's smoother tones, mm-hmm. and it right. has helped me a lot to be a much better singer. Earl never said and never boasted and wasn't a great solo singer, but he knew how to get a good sound. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he knew how to get it out of new talent or new new people. And uh, actually, he's responsible for me having the sound. They say I blend good with male voices. But he's responsible for that, too, because he taught me how to cover my tones where I could sing with male voices and not stand out. Sure. And Mike was the last. My dad trained a lot of singers. Oh, there have been over a, we'd compiled a list uh, about a year ago of all the singers that had been in the group and uh, hmm. uh, over 100. Now, that sounds like hey, those people can't keep help, but over a period of 61 years, <laughs> it's been over 100. Yeah. And Mike was the last bass singer that my dad trained. The very last uh, bass singer that, that that he ever spent any time with trying to teach mm-hmm. this tone thing. It's so quite an honor. We me. we consider Mike part of our yeah, our yeah. heritage as well. And what year was that that you came through, Mike? Eighty nine. Eighty nine. Yeah. And what year did Earl pass away? Ninety two. June of ninety two. What happened after that with the Weatherford? Were you still traveling in eighty nine and ninety ninety one? Were you no, still? I was just there in eighty nine. Yeah. Well, yeah, Mike. But the group was the, the group, group traveling. The group was still oh, yeah. yes. We were still going. We were. Uh, Earl never stopped singing, mm-hmm. even though he he'd had a heart heart attack the last two years of his life. He had a lot of heart problems, and the last six months he was on oxygen all the time. But he still got up and sang. Mm-hmm. But we had hired another young man, and actually it was Steve and this other fellow and I that were doing the singing. But Earl would. Sing every yeah. uh, every other note or something. And still and produce. Thought he was singing. Would, would, he, would he still have a hand in it? And, yeah. and it, it was a good cover for him, and he yeah. still felt like he was a part of it. And um, uh, and believe me, when he when he left, I mean, when he was when he died, mm-hmm. uh, 
it was a terrible loss. Yeah. It was a terrible loss to the Weatherfords as a group and then, of course, as a part of our family. Sure, sure. Mm-hmm. And the biggest thing that we challenge that we faced when he left was my dad was was uh, and mike will know this he, he he pretty much handled every aspect of what the weatherfords did i mean from the booking to the to the arrange you know everything that's everything. just everything and uh well i was talking to mike just tonight about that now when mike was with us that was the last easy fun thing in my life where i didn't have to be responsible for anything but just walking on the stage and singing and and uh, when he died, we became a 50, about a 40, 50-year-old quartet with uh, with uh, three-week-old management skills. And it, it was a quite a learning curve wow. there for the first couple of years while we took over uh, the things. But you've done great. Well, it's just by great. the grace of God. That's the only thing that's So would you going. say... Uh, not only on the business side, but Earl was pretty much the master of the sound. He oh, was the, mm-hmm. always producing, always <laughs> arranging, and <laughs> he was oh, definitely the, sound. in oh. charge of his domain. Oh, you know? He wouldn't put up with anything. My dad was a no nonsense. I mean, no nonsense guy. He'd fire people for for <laughs> some pretty strange reasons was, over the years. Was he native California, or was he no, born he and was raised? Born in Oklahoma. In Oklahoma. Born and raised within seven miles. Of where Steve and I live right now. What kind of industry background did, did his parents have? Farmers. Farmers. Mm-hmm. Except for his grandmother was a singer. His, really? great, his, his, his grandmother on his father's side was a um, Pentecostal preacher and singer. Hmm. Quite a, it skipped quite, a generation. Quite a yeah. He got this yeah. lady. He got it later. I never met her. I yeah. never got to meet her. But they said she was phenomenal. Something about people with farming backgrounds. They have this work <laughs> ethic and they, they really make it happen. <laughs> uh, well, as as a pioneer in Southern Gospel, what have you learned, or in gospel music now, what do we know as Southern Gospel, or American Gospel, or whatever you want to call it? I don't know what you're going to call it. <laughs> <laughs> what What did you learn along the way as you as you helped pave those roads? As you, I mean, a lot of it had to be trial and error. You're asking a question that would be impossible to answer in in an hour's time or two hours time. But I will say the main thing I've learned is. When you feel like you can't do anything else, you know, God expects us to do everything within our power Mm. to make it go and make it right. But I've learned the longer I live, the more time I've spent asking God to lead me and show me, Mm. the easier the road is. Sure. And you're still going to have trials and problems. And, and, and you have, you have things in your life come up to you, like when Earl died. And immediately, I felt God's grace. I never felt that before because I had never lost a husband before. Okay, I've got other problems and trials in my life that I can meet every day. But each time, I have a grace. It's a different kind of grace. Hmm. You can't can't just say grace is grace. It's a grace for every need in your life. And there's a grace for carrying on a group and... Keeping you keeping a group going, yeah, yeah. and it's God's amazing grace, and that's what I have learned. Now there have been a lot of lessons I have learned. Yeah, but that's the main thing right there. Just turn turn it over to the Lord, and He'll handle it. And that's probably one of the that's got to be the greatest lesson that you could oh, learn. Well, by by all means, and, and it's, it's I've gone through some hard things before I really learned that, like I should have, mm-hmm. and maybe I haven't learned it completely yet. Sure. Well, what's life like uh, for you today? Where, where do you currently live? And, um, and 
We live in a little town. How many people are We're there? About 600. We live in a little town in south central Oklahoma, about 40 miles south of Oklahoma City called Paola, Oklahoma. Yeah. It's right there near where my dad lived, yeah. was born and raised, his family and everything. And it's a little country, country town, you know, and, but it's real peaceful and, you know, you can, you can, uh, you know, everybody knows everybody. And, yeah. You can come into town and nobody can tell you what street anybody lives on, but you say, Where, where's them singers? <laughs> oh, you go down there to the, and turn left and look for that big old bus. And it's crazy people with, they're always on vacation. Something. <laughs> that's, uh, you guys keep a pretty good travel schedule? Pretty much, yes. We, we travel, <laughs> we travel, a, we're on the road about 250 days a year, do, do about 210 concerts, mm-hmm. and push close to 100,000 miles every year on the bus. We've been doing that since, I've been in the group since '76. We've always done that, and and we've been praying about going full time lately. We're, we're thinking about, <laughs> been really seeking the answer to that one. And and who all who all sings? Um, it's Steve and I and another you know, another gentleman that sings with us. Uh-huh. Um, did you ever play the piano? No, sir, I didn't, and I was accused of that. A guy came to me here at the convention and said, "I want to hear you play the piano." And I said, "Well, I don't know how to play the piano." Oh, yes, you do. I've heard you play. And I said, no, sir, you haven't. I believe that would be Eva May. Yeah. And it, must, it, it was either Eva May or it was, um, uh, could have been one of the Spear sisters. Because uh, he yeah, must have so. on the, I mean, uh, Rosemary, Rosemary. Yeah. 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 both of them. Yeah. But I never did convince him it wasn't me. So. <laughs> but no, I've had a lot of people tell me what I've done with my career, too. That I've been, yeah. yeah it's, it's been good. I've done a lot of great things, and I, I guess I've enjoyed myself. And what was it Mark Twain said? Never let the truth get in the way of a good story. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's always fun and to, to think and to dream. And I know Bill Gaither's having a ball doing that sort of thing when he puts oh, these groups together. Mm-hmm. That he kind of comes up in his mind, well, you would sound good on this part, and you would sound good. And I don't know. He's great at that. Great at doing that. I have no like musical theory, theoretical you know, reasons of saying that you would sound good here and you would sound good here. But I'd just like to see what would happen if mm-hmm. you and Eva May and if Vestal were still around, maybe put in a Connie Hopper in there, some of the classiest ladies in, in gospel music. And mm-hmm. um, you, you, those names I mentioned to you, um, did you keep up to date with, with Eva May and Vestal? Just uh, recently, uh, Eva May, LaFever, and Naomi Siegel and yeah. myself did a, a special thing with the uh, Charlie Waters' Grand Old Gospel. Yeah, this is in August, and you'd think, th- but but he had three altos up there, so that's not an easy thing to do. <laughs> no, <laughs> and that's what I was saying. I I didn't put that much thought into it when I just mentioned that about who would sing what part, but just to have those personalities up well, there. Well, fortunately, I have a low enough voice that I could take the the the, the third part. Bass, if, if you wanted, to. if I had to, female <laughs> bass, and I would wow. just I would just listen for that third part yeah. and and fill it in because. Of course, there was no time to rehearse, and and if we had one, we would all have forgotten what we were supposed to do anyway. We're too old to remember. <laughs> now, yeah. you've you've come a long way through gospel music. And you've seen a lot of changes. Where we are today in 2007 or 06, wherever we are today. Um, what's what's your opinion of the of the current state? Are are you uh, are you happy with the way things are going, or do you think things need to change and go a different direction? I mean, you're, you're bound to have an opinion. No, I think I think that, that gospel music is better than it's ever been. Yeah, I've had people say, "Oh, it's a lost art. It's it's going down the tubes," you know. And I say, "Well, t- 
It, it looks like it's getting bigger to me all the time. <laughs> sure, sure. And, and I think there's a good future for gospel music. Well, we have satellite radio. We have. And I don't know whether you're going to call it Southern Gospel, American Gospel, what? But I meant <laughs> as we see it to gospel music today. Yeah, yeah. It always comes down to the message. It doesn't matter what rapper you put on. If you sing about Jesus, it's it's. Yeah. Uh, and it's when you go. when you talk about Bill Gaither, you have to you have to remember all these videos he has done. I'm just going to use ourselves as a res- as a reference. When Earl died, a lot of people thought we had quit singing because Earl was gone. And when he put put us on the video, put me on the video, it made people realize that the Weatherfords were still here and going. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It helped us personally. What he what he has done for, through these videos, and I I can't speak for anybody else, but. I know for a fact that he has helped us, and I know he's helped other people. And I think one thing, uh, because you talked about what your style was not called, and it wasn't called Southern Gospel at that point, um, I think what Bill has done that has really really helped is he was a fan of Southern Gospel, the statesman. He tuned in to what was going on in the Deep South. Oh, yeah. But he, he was in he Indiana. Listened. Yeah, he was in Indiana, though, too, and he, he heard the northern evangelical sounds of music and what oh, was yeah. going on with the Weatherfords. Yeah. And he was able to put his love for all of it together yes. and introduce introduce me to a sound like the Weatherfords mm-hmm. and, cool. and the Hemp Hills. Yeah, well, W.O.W. was only about 40 miles up the road from his house, so yeah. he didn't have any trouble dialing you, you, that you in the at point all. There, he was raised in the same type. I was raised in a Nazarene church. He was raised Nazarene Church of God, that mm-hmm. realm, which was not Southern Gospel at all. Right. Or not Gospel. Right. But he had a feel for this, what we're, what we're doing today. In the terms of gospel. In the terms of what I'm seeing changing. Yeah, absolutely. So, so much of the things changing in gospel music is all the different names, the different styles. Southern gospel, I don't think in my lifetime I've ever seen it as diversified as it is now with all of the other styles and the different things that are in and out of it. And all of it's good. Well, I'd say most of it's good. Some of it is a little interesting. And, and you can't really, I, I don't think today you can, put a group out there and say this is the definitive sure. southern gospel sound right. i don't think there's a group out there like anymore like that at all um but we were having this conversation the other night just about this is well what are they going to do with this sound what are they going to do with that sound well if you build a brick house you take the bricks you give it a good foundation and you'll put a brick on the bottom and you'll work it up mm-hmm. and but in the middle of that you have to have mortar yeah. and to me all of the, the local talents the small groups that are just getting started they're kind of the mortar between the bricks yeah. they're they're just as important as the biggest group that you can think of yeah. uh, because they're going to reach people that we can't reach and uh, you know, Bill Gaither's going to reach people. He's going to sing to people we can't sing to. And we're going to reach the people we reach. Mike's going to sing to people. And we're all part of the, the foundation and the brick, the whole building, which we call gospel music. And, and, um, and if we base our foundation on Jesus Christ, we won't fail. We, we won't fail at all. It's so easy to get caught up in industry and, and who's the biggest. And, um, you know, and if you really keep that in focus, what you just said, Steve, I, I think you've got a great point. It doesn't matter uh, if you make it to the to the top, if you're a Bill Gaither, or if you're singing back here uh, at the church in the midst of fine trees, nobody can find. You know, yeah, it's just part of the mortar. Part of it. Somebody has asked me. Several people have asked me, well, "What are you going to do about this new thing that's coming up here?" You know, and so forth. Yeah. I said, "I'm going to do the same thing that I've done always." Mm-hmm. I've been singing 61 years, and I was singing long before there was anything like this going on. I was singing long before there was a hmm. quartet convention, long before there were any of these other things. And who was I singing for? 
I was singing for God, for yeah, Jesus. Yeah, for yeah but you weren't doing it before Ben Spear was. <laughs> no. <laughs> if there's someone who's seen the changes. Yeah. But I'm older than he is. Oh, so. yeah. <laughs> well, guys, thanks for coming uh, by and, and uh, spending some time with us. How can we keep up with the Weatherfords? Uh, www.lilyweatherford.com is a good place. Uh, the singing news, our schedule is in there every month. And... Uh, um, just uh, when you drive by your local church, check the sign out front. Sometimes they'll put it on there. Sometimes they won't. And if that doesn't work, look for the old gray ghost, the bus sitting out there. Yeah. I think we're the only ones out there with our name still on the front. <laughs> Can't quite get over that. <laughs> and, and now, do you go by Lily Weatherford or Lily Fern Weatherford? How have you been known in the uh, to fans? Both. I know Bill Gaither always introduced you as such, and I didn't, he sometimes introduces people like Linda Tate Randall, and she's mm-hmm. more or less billed as Linda Randall, and she uh, says right. he always puts the Tate in there. Right. Yeah. And, uh, I just wondered if that was one of his things he did. Or I has. think probably most everybody calls me Lily Fern, but some, yeah. I don't know. A lot of people say Lily. You can just, call her Grandma now. She yeah, likes that. I grandma Lily. Five months old. I had to get that plug in. Oh, he's six oh. months old now. Wow. He is He's either the baby. Oh, six uh, no. months old tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you've got some work to do. You can, uh, you can, uh, is, it a, is it a boy? It's a boy. You can bring him up. Yeah. Uh, Next generation. In the year. Earl and Lily style. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, thanks so much for, uh, thank for you. doing this. Thank you for being a part of this. Hey, this thanks, Mike. Yeah. Thank you very much.